Good morning, everyone. Hello. Welcome to Calvary Chapel, Sydney. Uh, my name is Bob Roche. Uh, Ben's on holidays, uh, Pastor Ben's, but he'll be back next week. So I expect the crowds to be a lot bigger. But, and besides, school's back as well, so we should be okay. Um, so uh, in regards to the studies, my studies are, are back on. So if you're part of my studies or want to be part of my studies, um, talk to me or look at the bulletins or whatever they are. And uh, I think the women's study will, study will start back once um, uh, the Grisés are back. And Ben's studies will start back, I think, Friday week as well. So obviously he needs to be here for them to start. Um, so I thought we'd just pray before we, we get into the word. Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us, your love. Thank you for the ability just to worship you, to give back just a little bit of what you give to us. Um, we pray this morning, Lord, that you would open up your word to us. Come, Holy Spirit, and, and teach us and guide us and lead us into your truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we'll be going, uh, looking through uh, the book of 1 John chapter 1. So if you would all turn there, uh, that would be fantastic. We might be referring to a couple of uh, scriptures here and there, but ma majority of the time will be in uh, 1 John chapter 1. If you don't know where that is, it's towards the end of the Bible, okay? Just to give you an idea of where that might be. Sometimes we get a bit confused, where the heck are these books? But as time goes by, like I'm teaching biblical theology, and we go back and forth, back and forth. But the thing is, over time, you just get used to stuff. It's like driving a car. The first time you get in a car, you're like, oh my goodness, what do I do here? And then after time, you just realize you're driving an autopilot. You don't even know how you got to someplace. You just know you turned the key, and off you went. And there you're there. And that's the same thing will happen as you get used to the Bible. Um, so in life, everybody's looking for something that is real, real relationships. And John, as we're going to see in the, in the first chapter of this book, he also is going to talk about reality, someone who is real, and a relationship that is real. And the reason why he writes this is because he wants others to have this, okay? So if you're in your Bibles, we're going to look at the book of 1 John, and we're going to look at three reasons, and I'll throw in the fourth reason of why this book was written. So like when I was a, just an infant Christian, I would read Chuck Smith, a lot of his books, I would listen to, we had a tape series of every single chapter of the Bible, and I had a car, where, this is how old I am, that had a cassette player in my car, and I would have to drive as part of my work, drive a lot, so I would just pop them in, I'd take the whole book of Corinthians, go through 15 or 16 different tapes, bring them back in the next week, take Ephesians, take Colossians, whatever it was. And when Chuck first went to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, he sat down and he gave the people an assignment. He said, okay, I want you to read through the book of 1 John, and I want you to find the reasons why John wrote the book, Okay. We're going to be a little bit easier. I'm actually going to tell you what they are today, okay? So if you look in your Bible, chapter 1, verse 4 is the first reason why he wrote the book. And it says, And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So the reason why John writes this is that our joy may be full. And obviously, there could be a possibility that our joy wouldn't be full. So he writes this so that their joy would be full. The second reason he writes is in the second chapter. So the second chapter and verse one, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. So the second reason he writes this book is that we wouldn't sin, that we would live a cleaner life, okay? A life that pleases God. The third reason is in the fifth chapter. Chapter 5, verse 13. And it's pretty, pretty easy because he says, these things I write to you. It's, it's clear as day. 
These things I write to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. He wanted to make sure that they were sure that they were going to heaven. They were sure that they had Jesus. They knew that they knew that they knew. And that takes a little bit of time because when you first become a believer, you, you can get into this, God loves me one day and the next day, oh, I've failed. Does he really love me? And blah, 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 blah. But you should know that you know that you know he loves you and he's got you. And John writes that. If you want to add the fourth reason why, you can go back to chapter two and you can look at verse 26. If you want to turn there. I always think it's good that you actually have the Bible in front of you, that you can read it and you can see it for yourself. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So if you want to throw in a fourth one, it's because there are people and there are teachings that will try to deceive people, which is just, my goodness, the day that these deceivers will have to stand before God is just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. To deceive someone against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, it's, it's unbelievable. But today we're going to concentrate on the first one, that your joy may be full, okay? And we're going to spend the majority of the time in the first chapter. So let's look at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So the first word he starts out with, and he tells us that. So there's something that he's going to point them to. And he tells us it was from the beginning. This is important to know this. It's from the beginning. In the book of Genesis, which we're going through with Pastor Ben, it tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the New Testament, John, who wrote this book as well, he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we see he's going to point to that. And you're going to see as we go through this who that is. It's actually a person, but he's pointing this out right from the beginning. So this, which is from the beginning, is something that is eternal. It's actually God himself. He tells us something about this in verse 1. He says, we have seen, well, we have heard, we have seen with our own eyes, we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. We actually touched him. We touched God, which, wow, what an experience. What an experience. Tremendous, and John's making sure that he, his, his readers understand this, that they were with him, they experienced him, that God actually came to this world and he is real. He's not just some thinking out there, some philosophy, he is real. He came, he's, John says, we saw him, we touched him, we experienced him. He's real. That's extremely important. He ends verse 1 with, he calls him the word of life, which is just amazing. Like, the one thing I like about Bible studies is we go very, very slowly and sometimes we go real slow, like one word at a time, you know? The word of life. To a Jew, they understood that the word was a revelation of God himself in the scriptures, okay? If you were a Greek, so Greek thinking was, they're, they're obviously the Greeks were very intellectual people, logical people, and they would look at... Uh, the word of life, they call it the logos. It's basically the intellect of how the universe works. They knew it worked. 
They knew there was design behind it. There was an intellect behind it. And it's that, that word of life. And this word of life came and it was touched by John and the other disciples, the other apostles. He was real. So the word, the rationale, the intelligence of the universe came to earth and he was touched and he was heard. Wow. Another reason and a major reason why John wrote that he was real was because of the early teaching of Gnosticism. So you go, okay, what the heck is Gnosticism? All right. Gnosticism is sort of a form of very, very smart intellectual teaching where you could know God in your brain, but the, te- the main teaching was that anything that is physical, anything that is uh, of substance is actually flawed and evil. So because our bodies are physical, it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies, as long as our mind is on God, that's fine. That's a really, really dangerous teaching because what they would say is Jesus actually didn't have a a real physical body. He was an emanation. He was sort of a phantom, but he wasn't, he didn't have a real body. And that would be crazy to think like that. And John's going, no, he was real. We touched him. We saw him. He's real. And what we do with our bodies is important. Our bodies and our our mind are connected. You make choices. They would basically live as they wanted to and then just go, well, my body's concentrating on God and I can't be responsible. And that's what people say today. I'm not responsible for what I do. So John starts out and talks about this. He's real. He came to our world. Verse 2. We're going to hear more about this logos, the word of life. The life was manifest and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. In verse two, he uses the word manifested and manifested means to reveal, to show. He says this word of life, this logos The universal intellect came to our world. We saw him. We're witnessing about him, and we're going to tell you about him. He then goes on and even shares a little bit more about how he describes him. He says, eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. Eternal life has to exist backwards and forwards. See, for us as believers, we will live immortally, okay? We will live onwards, but we never live backwards. But this eternal life, this logos, this that which was from the beginning has always been. He always been and he always will be. It tells us about a relationship that this eternal life has in verse 2. It says it was with the Father and was manifested to us. He was with the Father. They're, the eternal life and the Father are different, yet the same. And we see that through the scriptures, but we're not going to go through that today. But there's a relationship between what this eternal life that came to earth is and the Father. There's a relationship in there. And he was manifested to who? To us, to humanity. That's how good God is. He didn't just hide in the shadows. He comes and reveals himself. And Jesus is that last revelation of God to, God, of God to us. The manifestation, this person, it is Jesus Christ. He is the one from the beginning. And he was real. And the relationship that he has with the Father was real. And he comes to show it to us. The next couple verses, he's going to, John's going to introduce the word kononia, which is relationship, which is commonness. So verse three and four, that which we have seen and have heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, 
Jesus Christ. So again, in this first little bit here, he now introduces fellowship. He's talked about God being eternal, God coming to earth, God being real, and now he introduces fellowship, which is just, this is the greatest thing in our lives. To know God and to know his son, it is the greatest thing. And he will help us and he will speak to us and we can speak to him. It is amazing. So fellowship, kononia, it's a Greek word. It means to be in common, to have a common bond, a common life. So John says, who is this kononia or fellowship with? He's, his, the writers or the readers he's writing to, he says, we want you to have fellowship with us. It's not that the apostles were on some sort of great high level and then everybody else is down here. No, he wants to have fellowship with each other. And that's just a common unity bond. And the unity bond is Jesus Christ. He is the bond that puts us all together. No matter how different we are, if we believe, we have that common unity. And it's him. And the Holy Spirit that lives in me is the Holy Spirit that lives in you. How cool is that? So we're on that same level, but he doesn't stop there. It's not just the relationship that John and the fellow believers would have. He throws it even deeper. And he says, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So John and the early followers, the early believers, had a relationship with God and his son, they're two distinct, but yet they're the same. And he says, you too can have this because you have fellowship with us. You can have a relationship with God. Like he isn't far off, he isn't in a distant thing. And sometimes we think we're alone or it's all us, or, but God is so for us, it's unbelievable. It is unreal what he does for us. We just need to be reminded of this over and over again. That's why it's so important to be in the scriptures because you get out of them, other things fill your mind. You get back in the scripture and you see how good he is. Like we were in, uh, we're in Matthew, we started the book of Matthew and just the, the, the majesty of him coming and talking to Zechariah, who had been praying for his son his whole life. And he goes in and he's, his, his job, it's, it's a one lifetime thing. He finally gets to go into the, the temple and to offer incense. And he's in there. And we were talking about how, if it's a one lifetime thing, you're like, you've been anticipating this your whole life. It's like, what's it gonna be like? What's it like to go into the temple and you're by yourself, what, what happens? I don't, I don't, I've never done this before, I don't know. And I'm sure he would have asked other priests, what's it like? And someone had been like, yeah, it's fantastic. Every, because everybody's different. Oh, it's just amazing. And then some, you know, some other guy would have been like, well, you know, he's just burning incense and that's how it is. And he goes in there and all of a sudden he's burning incense and, and this angel appears. You know, and it's like, wait a second. No one told me about this. Where'd this come from? Is this like, a, is this like a, 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 a priestly message that nobody's supposed to tell anybody, like until you get there and all of a sudden it's like this, is, this happened? But God surprised him. And it's just amazing how much God was for this man. He had been praying his whole life for a son because he and his wife didn't have a child, you know? And he even tells us he was past the, the years. And yet God heard his prayer, the first message. God has heard your prayer. It's like, but I probably gave up on that prayer years ago. But he heard the prayer. He was there. It's amazing. So um, our fellowship, we have a relationship with God. We have a relationship through Jesus Christ. And you, you think about this, that Jesus came and died on a cross and was buried in three days, rose from the dead. 
so that, and he removes our sin. Like he forgives us. He redeems us. He cleanses us. He does all these things for us. And he is that door to God. You know, we, we read that in scripture. He is the door. He even says in, in, in his gospels, I am the door. I'm the one. You get there. And like, but he came because he wanted us to see the door and he wants us to go through the door. Like, it's just amazing what he does. So the next verse tells us why he wrote this. And he tells us that, and these things I write to you that your joy may be full. And maybe today your joy isn't full. But John's like, no, no, no. I'm writing to you about God and how good he is because your joy should be full. Joy does not equal happiness. You've probably heard me talk about this before. Happiness is all dependent on your circumstances. You know, if this happens, I'm happy. If this doesn't happy, happen, I'm not happy. I could be sad or whatever. It's the emotional thing. And our emotions can, are, are all over the place at times, depending on what happens. But joy is always based on God. You, you look at these first verses, he just says how good God is. He's real, he's come. Eternal life, the God of the universe has come to us. And you can have a relationship with him. And that's where your joy is found. It won't be found anywhere else. Like no matter what happens, you can always have joy. You can always have joy. And that's what John wants the readers to know. And that's what he wants us to know. That's what God wants us to know. David knew this. So if you go to Psalms 16, it's probably behind me at the moment. I'm trusting that it's behind me at the moment. So I'll read John 16, because this is David writing about this. John 16, 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David wrote, the only place to find the joy is in his presence. So that tells us something. We need to be in his presence. You need to take time to be with him, to spend time with him, to understand that he's always with you, that he is for us and not against us. He really is that good. Spend time with him. It's in his presence you'll find it. God doesn't hide. Look at what he did. He came to earth. How good is that? How good is that? It's always found in him. And it's not always inevitable. If joy was inevitable, it's, it's going to happen, well, then he wouldn't write this. He writes this that your joy may be full. This wouldn't even be a topic of John if joy was inevitable. It's going to happen. We need to understand that joy comes from being in his presence. We need to be in his presence. You know, it, like, I'll say this because it, it, come here to worship him. Like, he, he not only wants to be worshiped, it changes us when you worship him. I, I, I come here to worship him. It changes your life. It changes me. The focus goes from me and my problems to him and how good he is. It just, he is so real. If there's a potential that our joy isn't full, this should get, us, get our attention. 
This should make us think, okay, what's going on here? Because he's real. There's a relationship that can be had. It is a real relationship. It's not just make-believe. It's real. And it's for all believers with God. Verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and him in him is no darkness at all. What a message. Meditate on this tonight for a heck of a long time. Here's the message. John's like, I got a message. And you know who the message is from? It's from him. It's from him and it's to you and it's to me. So if there's a message from God to me and to you, should you want to know what that message is? The answer is yes, you should know what that message is. And it's so simple. It's so good. Look at what it tells us, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He is light. He is good. There's nothing bad about God. There's nothing mean about God. He is just light. He is a revelation. He is help. He is perfect. There's nothing negative about God. Some of us have grown up in churches or religion and it's hurt people. That's not God. God is not hurtful. He is good. He is light. Like, I was talking to the young, the young guys on Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? It was Tuesday. It's like, if you just have to remember one thing as you're, as you're developing your relationship with God, is that God is good. God is good. That is just so helpful to know that God is good. He is good. You know, we think about light in our world. What, what is light good for? The light of the sun. Well, it brings life. It helps things grow. You know, you watch some of these movies with cataclysmic events. If this were to happen or an asteroid would hit the earth, there'd be so much cloud and smoke that all the trees would die because no light could get through. Light brings life. Light brings growth. Light brings revelation. We, it's clarity we can see. You know, you're in the dark and you can't see and you turn the light on, you can see where you're doing. God is light. Like the simplicity of that is light. And in him is no darkness at all. There's nothing dark about him at all. Nothing. You know, we think of darkness, you think of in the shadows, you think of hidden. God's not hidden. He's not in the shadows. He doesn't work like that. Like, He loved the world so much, he gave his only begotten son. Why? So that every single person who ever lived on this planet could have eternal life. How good is that? He's good. I got one amen. I'm sure I got more people that just, uh, they're more, they're, they're not as loud. All right. Not that I'm saying you're loud. All right. But there's no confusion with God. There's no, when you come to him, it's just clear. It's clarity. When we have confusion, go to him. He just makes it so clear. There are times in our lives, times in my life, it's like, I don't know what to do. I'm confused. And I have gone to him. And my goodness, when he speaks, it's just like, it's like you've just been lifted up. It's just like, okay, I know what I need to do. I know. And it is so freeing. It's like, I don't have to think, am I doing the wrong thing? Am I doing the right thing? I'm sure we all have those things. What should, what, what's going to happen if I do this? That sort of stuff just takes a little bit of time. But he will speak to you. I, I guarantee you. He will speak to you. Why? Because he's real. And he, you have a relationship with him. He really is real. Verse six, John now talks about some scenarios, hypotheticals, all right? Verse six, 
If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, here's something that we can fall into what we say and what we do. Okay. If we say, and most Christians would say, I have fellowship with God. You should say that. But John says, if you say that and you walk in darkness, well, there's a problem. Walking is doing. Walking is action. For me to start walking, I have to be doing something. I have to set the action. So it's what we're doing and walking in darkness. We need to know what darkness is. So you can sit, so you can understand what this is all about. Darkness is sin, is deception, is in the shadows. You might portray something to others, but in reality, there's something hidden. You're not being truthful. Sin is deception. In here, he's talking about a lifestyle. He's not talking about slip-ups, because everybody will sin. We'll get to that in the next few verses. But the lifestyle of how we live should be looking at what God says and does my life align with that, okay? Slip-ups will happen. Light, by definition, is the absence of darkness. They can't coexist. You have light, you have darkness. You turn the light on, darkness is gone. You turn the light off, darkness is there, okay? They are opposite. There are no gray areas in light and dark. Understand this. We, for some reason, believe there are gray areas. Gray areas basically excuse things. We all have them, okay? We need to understand gray areas are dangerous. Gray areas are problematic. They just are. Light, darkness. If we say we're in the light and you're walking in darkness, well, let's look at what the scriptures tell us here. It says we lie. God doesn't lie, we lie. That's a dangerous place to be, okay? Not only do we lie, we do not practice the truth. Warren Wiersbe says, his version of this is, you've lost the truth and you are not doing the truth. You're saying one thing, but you're doing something else. That's dangerous, okay? And the reason why John writes this is because he actually wants you, I, himself, the people he wrote this to, to be in fellowship with God, to impact our lives, to impact the world around us so that God can be seen through the things that we do and say. Because it's much different than anything else you're going to get out in the world, okay? Let's go to the next verse because a little bit of a contrast. We get the word but. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So here we have the word but. Again, if you're in my Bible study, I will always say, what's the word but referring to? It's a contrast. This was happening but, and we see this a lot in scriptures like, Oh, we've done this, but God has done this. And it's like, how good is that? We were stuffing up and God did this because he's good. He's really good. He is light. So if we walk in the light, so now we have to go, what does that mean? So we've defined what walking in darkness is. So what does walking in light mean? Wouldn't you agree? Want to know what that means? 
If it's a good thing, I want to know what, what does walking in the light mean? So basically, it's a general obedience of our lifestyle. Generally walking after God, trying to please him in the things we do. It doesn't mean sinless perfection, because if you're trying to be perfect, you, will, you, you may as well enter into a mental institution. It ain't going to happen. It ain't. And sometimes we can get that way by accident or trying to think that we need to be perfect to please God. Scriptures actually tell us the way we please God is by belief, not by perfection, not by doing this or doing that. It says believing. That's how God is pleased with us. Again, how good is God? How good is he? He's just good. He's just plain good. You know? In the Gospels, we read a guy comes up and says, good teacher to Jesus. Jesus says, hold on a second. No one's good but God. Of course, Jesus was God and he is good. But he didn't want that flattery. He said, listen, there's no one good but God. Understand this young man. This is... This is do not try and flatter me this way. He is good. So it's about not hiding sin, walking in the light. Again, if you're hiding sin, you're in the shadows. It's also about being open to the Holy Spirit, about his conviction, and then dealing with it. Um, I'll give you a, uh, an example of myself a couple of weeks ago. I was home. I was doing things. I was getting angry. There are certain people here who can tell you I can get angry from time to time. I was getting angry. So I come to church, and I, I, I'm okay, but I'm, I got this anger. And then Martin gets up and speaks about anger. And I knew exactly who God was talking to. He was talking to me. I have no idea if he was talking to the rest of you, but he was talking to me. And then Jackie and I are talking to Sarah, and Sarah says something. And God was talking to me. And I have to be open to that. And that's called walking in the light, because my anger was not walking in the light, it was walking in darkness because that's not how God is, you know? So I had to deal with it. I had to be open to it and go, okay, I need, I need to change this. That's walking in the light, being open to what he does. See, Martin has no idea God was gonna talk to me. Sarah has no idea what she even probably even said, but he talked to me and I had to deal with it. And that's called walking in the light, okay? But if we walk in the light, in verse 7, it tells us we have fellowship with one another. So, I, I've often said this before, and this is just ripped off of other uh, pastors. If there's problems horizontally, there's a problem vertically between you and God. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. Because you get this right, and you realize he's good, and I'm not, and I need your help, and it just makes it so much better with the people you deal with. Because if I'm going to sit here and try to relate and get along with all of you and all of everybody without him, I'm going to have problems because I want things done my way just as you want things done your way because that's what we're like. But what we really what God really wants is th th things done his way. All right? If there's problems this way, check out what's going on this way. Hope that makes that simple. Again, I just ripped, I just take it from other pastors and people that I read. I don't make this stuff up. I'm not smart enough to make this stuff up. <laughs> I was waiting for two amens on the side here, but they are qu much quieter. All right? So 
Here we go. Can we walk in the light? Well, the answer is yes. Can we walk in darkness? Well, the answer is yes. It's our decision and it affects our relationship with God, how we relate to him. So if God is light and he walks in the light, you want to be there. That's the place to be. That's what John is writing this for. Because when you're in that place, that's where your joy comes from, the presence of the Lord. Okay? We have fellowship with one another. And he doesn't just stop there in verse 7. He tells us, And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from, uh, cleanses us from all sin. The word cleanses is a word written in the present tense. That means it's cleansing now. And when it's present now and now and now, it's continually cleansing us. It tells us that we're clean because of Jesus Christ. And if you're clean, you can relate to God because he's clean, we're clean. That works. That works. It's logical. And he continually cleanses us. It puts us in the right place to be. How good is that? How good is God that he does this? It's just tremendous. So Jesus' death, it's all his work. His blood is the thing that does it. Not anything you do. Again, that's pretty, it's pretty darn good. It's better than that. It's awesome. And how much of the sin does he cleanse? Well, you take a look. It says all. How good is that? How good is that? That tells us this should not stop you from communing with God and having a relationship with him. We'll move on to a little bit more about sin. If you were a Gnostic, sin wasn't an issue because, oh, my body is just, it's material. The material world's no good and sinful. Who cares? I can do whatever I want. John's going, no, God's real. Sin's real. Here he deals with it. And of course, we know from the beginning that one of the reasons why he wrote it, that we wouldn't sin, okay? Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if we are to say that we have no sin, <laughs> you're deceiving yourself. That's, that's ridiculous. That, that really is ridiculous. The Gnostics would say, I don't have sin because it's not me, it's just my body. It's like, no, it's you. And the world today says, I'm not a, I'm not a sinner. I might do things wrong, but it's not my fault. Everybody does it. I'm only human. And it's like, no, 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 no. The problem with the world today is that they don't realize that they are sinners. And because you're a sinner, you do sinful things. You and I are deceitfully wicked. We are sinners and we need forgiveness. And John's going, don't ever forget this. If you're going to say that I'm, I don't, uh, listen, I'm not a sinner. You're deceiving yourselves. And the truth is not in you. That's a very, very dangerous place to be. Okay? Verse 9. So because we are sinners, this is even, this is tremendous what God does again here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is how we get the relationship back if we do stuff up, okay? And we will stuff up. If you're not confessing, something's seriously wrong, okay? So confess, what does confess mean? Does confess mean I'm sorry? It's way more than that, okay? It's not just admitting you're wrong. You're actually saying the same thing about it that God says about it. You're aligning with what he says about things. Confession. It's not just a prayer. 
because, oh, God, forgive me. And that is, it's more than that, okay? And it's not just making an excuse and saying sorry. Confession is about being honest with yourself, being honest with God, and if other people are involved, to be honest with them, to be deep down honest about what's going on. Truly honest. Warren Wearsby, again, I like reading Warren. Um, he, he talks about confession. It's judging sin and facing it squarely. Just face it head on and deal with it, okay? If we confess our sins, look at how awesome this is. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. Spurgeon wrote, if you treat God truthfully, he will treat you truthfully. Just being honest with him. Just being honest. Don't hide in the shadows. Just be honest with him. So if you can, there are people who can, who can read this and use it wrong. It's like, well, since God's going to forgive my sins, if I just confess it, I'll just go ahead and do it. You know, that's wrong thinking. That's dangerous thinking. Because first of all, every time you sin, do you know why Jesus died on the cross? He died on the cross for all the things that I've done wrong, past, present, and future. But I shouldn't have to purposely add to the wrath that he took. I mean, he took the wrath of God on himself for me and for you, for all the things. So to use this as an excuse to go ahead and do something, man, you're just pouring more and more on Jesus. That's not something you want to do. And also, if that's your mind thought, well, you're walking in darkness. That's not light. You're walking in darkness. And where does God want you to be? Walking in the light. It's where the blessings come. Verse 10, we'll finish this. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So in verse eight, we've read that if we say we have no sin, we deceived ourselves. In verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, well, you're calling God a liar which is just crazy. Um, and it's not in line with his word. It says his word is not in you. You're not aligning with the word of God. It's wrong. So to finish this up, the apostle John wrote this so that our joy may be full. Okay? that we would walk in the light. If you're walking in darkness, you will not have fellowship with God. It's not possible. Light and darkness do not work. But if you're walking in darkness, then just confess it. Be real with God. And he puts you right. He is faithful and he is just. The just part is that Jesus dealt with it. Somebody has to deal with it. That's called justice. He's dealt with it. Do we have joy? Look at what Jesus wrote about joy. Turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus, in his three-year ministry, he revealed a lot of things. So John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my, my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. The joy that Jesus had being around people to being close to his father, to doing the things that he did. And he says that it would remain in you and that your joy may be full. That's what Jesus wants. He doesn't stop there. 
in verse 24 of the next chapter, 1624. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. If you were to break this down, this is called prayer. This is called talking to God. This isn't called getting what you want. Prayer is actually aligning yourself with what he wants. Okay? Again, David found his joy in the presence of the Lord. Prayer is in the presence of the Lord. God is so good. He is so for us. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to know him more. He's good. You should smile at that. He is really good. And he wants your joy to be full. Find it in him. Not in the things that you do. Not in the things that you get. It's found in him. That's it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that you are good, that you are for us, that the thoughts you have for us are good and not of evil, that you've given us your Holy Spirit as a down payment for the redemption that is to come. You've given us your Holy Spirit to help us to make good decisions, to live after you, to remind us of your goodness, to remind us to come to you. Even now, Lord, because of you living in us, you remind us to come to you. You remind us that our joy is found in you and that our joy would be full. Again, joy is not happiness. Joy is you. So we thank you and we praise you. And we just love you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.